0: The Cambridge Film Show on Cambridge 105 Radio.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Cambridge Film Show on Cambridge 105 Radio. This is your regular roundup of some of the biggest releases available for your viewing pleasure. My name is Josra Osman, and joining me on the buttons, we've got Stuart Pask. Hello. Co-hosting Queens Ashley Whitaker. Hello. And Emma Marchant. Hello. And we've got a fab team of reviewers with Vicky Air. Hello. Will Johnson. Hello. And Luke Irwin. Good afternoon. And what a show we've got for you today with treasure trove of treats, including Magic Mike's Last Dance, M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin, legal drama St. Omer, cutesy comedy Marcel the Shell with shoes on, tough one to say, and streamers Your Place or Mine and Somebody I Used to Know. So let's get cracking. Is it time to get our dancing shoes? Not much else on. This is Magic Mike.
0: What did you want before Miami?
2: I just wanted to escape my
3: life.
2: Do you like bartending? It's not really what I do. What is it that you really do
4: But then, you came along and gave me this unexpected, magical moment that made me remember who I really was.
1: For Magic Mike's Last Dance, That's the, this is the third outing from Steven Soderbergh with Channing Tatum as the titular Magic Mike, who has to get his shoes on—dancing shoes, as I said earlier—on once again after being a little bit down on his luck. A wealthy socialite, played by Selma Hayek, offers him an opportunity in London to which he must um, get some dances and, and get on with the show, I guess. Um, Will,
2: yeah. I
1: don't know. Have you seen all of the Magic Mike films?
2: Um, up till the weekend before I had not seen any of them. No? And um, and now you've seen all three? Yes, I've chosen to watch all three. Um mainly the third one because it had Summer Hayek. Um okay. and I took my girlfriend to watch watch it on um Valentine's Day because she Ooh. loves Channing Tatum so. What a treat. I've got to compete with that. That's what I've got to compete <laughs> with. Um so Doing I watched great. it all. <laughs> I watched all three within the space of 2 days.
1: And um in You've seen all three. Where would you place this one if you were going to rank them?
2: Um, if I was to rank them, I'd say the best one was second one, XXL.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The latest one, Last Dance, would be number two, and then finally, I'd actually put the first one.
1: You'd put the first one last. Yeah. Okay. So okay, that's interesting. So what what does this film bring that's new to the trilogy?
2: Um, well, this one is well managed to incorporate um, dance and love story all in one and. Set in London, where I'm originally from, so you do get to see the sights there. And I think it kind of shamelessly plugged um, Magic Mike in the West End. That's what I think. I think it's kind of like a bit of a build-up to that. That's why. Okay, because I did I, I wonder
1: if this was perhaps an advert for Magic Mike the Experience, which you seem to be <laughs> suggesting it is.
2: I think it could be, okay. but. Vicky,
1: you know. I know you've not seen the film, but you no. have seen Magic Mike the Experience, yeah. Can you just tell yeah. us how, how you found that?
3: Um, so it's at the Hippodrome, and it's just behind Harry Potter and the Cursed Child currently in London. <laughs> and um, I got taken for like a kind of like a birthday gift like last year. Mm-hmm. It is phenomenal. Um, I was a big fan of the second film, but obviously this is something I would probably shy away from going to unless it was a present. And it was it is extraordinary. You go there, and they cater to everyone. It is very much like the conclusion of the second film you know you everyone gets taken on stage everyone has an experience they are there to cater for men and women like they definitely do the job phenomenally well um honestly I think obviously if this is an advert I know a lot of my friends are going to watch the experience because of this film and is now like it's booked is booked and busy currently and I'm just very excited because it is it's just something that on the West End you wouldn't expect, like you wouldn't get to see otherwise yeah. and it is is it's tasteful and, okay. uh, and and such a good night out.
1: But I always found the Magic Mike films, and I'm a big fan of the first two, I've yeah. not seen the third one yet, but I always found them quite tasteful, considering yeah. what you know what they're about, and I really, really enjoy them. And I suppose, Will, if you're gonna go in and watch Magic Mike's last dance, there are certain things that you would expect having seen the first couple of films. Mm. So really this is just something that is catering to the kind of audience that would have liked the first two.
2: Yes, that's true. But then I think guys will enjoy it because it shows the, brings out the human side mm-hmm. of Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum. And I think he was just made for this role. It's, yeah. you know, you just you can't see anybody else actually doing that.
1: Yeah. And let's just give a, a little nod to, to Salma Hayek, who you are a big fan of. But she's a oh, famous yes. well. The socialite <laughs> who kind of brings um, Channing Tatum to London. And, yeah. and, 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 and how did you find her performance in that? Well,
2: well. During most movies that I've actually seen, she's normally the, you know, the strong character. Um, Here she she tries to portray being strong, but obviously you actually see her, you know, you see her um, her soft side Mm -hmm. and realize that she's quite vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So it was actually refreshing to actually see that side of her.
4: Can we just have a big, I haven't seen, I've seen the first two, but can we just say how great it is that Salma Hayek at 56 is playing Channing Tatum's love interest at 42 and we should have more of that Yeah, oh, we yes. can films. definitely say as that. we moaned a lot about Shotgun Wedding last week with the delightful Jennifer Coolidge being cast as Jennifer, a great film, <laughs> but being cast as Jennifer Lopez's mother, I just think I'm all for that. I mean, I know Salma Hayek is gloriously genetically blessed, but yeah, good for you, Hollywood, good for you, Steven Stoderberg good for you
1: yeah and I would say I mean uh, one of the questions I was going to ask Will is how, how it does with because you know you get the, the dancing and there's all that but actually you've also got a love story here as well and mm. is that developed well enough to, to for the film
2: it does well the way it ends definitely um, and Salma Hayek at the age of 50 <laughs> still brilliant Love okay. lo- I've loved her since the days of um, Desperado in the 90s so What can I say?
1: Okay, and final question. Do you think, having seen this, that there might be room for one more Magic Mike film or is this a kind of fitting end to the trilogy?
2: I think it's a fitting end because I think end it it this way and just keep it as it is because another one would just be overkill and I think XXL and this one has actually done well for the promotion of the London Hippodrome show. So keep it as it is and so be it.
1: Okay, fabulous. That is Magic Mike's last dance. Seemed to go down well with the lovely Will. If you want to see that, it is a certificate fifteen, and it is showing um, at cinemas across Cambridgeshire.
5: Ash, over to you. Well, we're going to be treated to many, many notes on this very, very dark film next. Let's have a listen to the trailer for Saint Omer.
2: C'était l'heure des hautes marées. La lune se dresse devant moi, comme un projecteur, comme un appel de phare. Alors j'allais sur la plage.
6: Madame Colly, savez-vous pourquoi vous avez tué votre fille Je ne sais pas. J'espère que ce procès pourra me l'apprendre. So
5: we're following Rama, who's a writer, attending the trial of Lawrence Coley at the Saint-Omer Criminal Court, where the film takes its name. She's using this trial to write a story, um, a modern-day adaptation of the ancient myth of Medea. It's a very dark case i think we can say what it's about because i'm sure i heard about it in the trailer she's accused of killing her newborn
0: a 15 month old child all right
5: her baby and it's from the trailer it's one of the ones that i kept seeing at the cambridge arts picture house and i really wanted to catch this film i haven't made um it yet but there seems to be some kind of mental health or spiritual thing taking over the main character as she's having to live through this trial with the accused luke you came in here ready to talk Pages of notes. Take it away. Yes, what did you
0: yes, think? I'm the, I'm the only voice on this, so um, please, please indulge me. <laughs> when I first saw this film, I thought, hmm, this is good. But then it just eats away at you and eats away at you. And it's such a superb experience to be left thinking about a film days and weeks later. This is the feature debut of Alice Diop. She's a Senegalese-born um Filmmaker, she. This is her first feature debut. She'd done a bunch of documentaries prior to this, and you can sense that for both good and bad here. We've talked. There've been quite a few films that have come out lately where it's single setting films, and this is almost entirely set in a courtroom. And we've had a lot of criticisms about these films that don't do enough to make them cinematic, and this is the film that's sort of as uncinematic as you can be. Conceivably, you have these huge long takes of um Lawrence who's played by uh Malanda, Melanda um and she's on trial um and it's just her for minutes at a time and you don't even cut away for the person interviewing her. Wow. And at uh, first when you're watching it you're thinking, Is it you know, is this just a stage show that's been filmed? But the real magic of cinema is that you can close in and it's or just her face and her body and these micro-expressions and the tension builds of just someone being interviewed about how they could have done something so horrifically, well, we say unspeakable, but it's spoken about um, at length during Isn't the film.
5: her fourth acting gig as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's just an absolute amazing performance. She just carries it. Um, although... She doesn't actually get top billing in the film. Top billing of the film is uh, Kije Kama. The writer who's watching the trial. So she's the author surrogate um, for um, Alice Diop.
5: And this is only her second job.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, So um, Diop said that she, she decided to make her first feature debut after she... Um, went to the trial. This is a based on a true story of um, Fabian Cabu. Wow. Um, and a huge swat of the film is taken directly from court transcripts. Um, so Diop, she she witnessed the trial and as she was watching it, she said, this needs to be made a film. And I think the, the one misstep that the film makes is that the whole film is presented from this character's perspective. Um, you see a, a brief prelude of her and her decision to go to the trial and you occasionally cut away to uh, to see her reactions to what's happening. And you can see why Diop's chosen to do this, because you have Rama, who's a, a pregnant woman, who's witnessing what, what can happen to a mother, um, and you build layers of, sort of the guilt of motherhood and adding to... I think you mentioned in the introduction, and the film makes references to this being supposedly a modern-day t- retelling of the story of Medea... Um, and it's a film about motherhood and the anxiety of motherhood. But it's also about more than that. I think the big success, that's the big success of the film, is that it blends this very personal story with much bigger questions that makes it far more accessible um, to viewers. It presents this really quite devastating story where the more you hear about it, and the more perspectives you get on it as you interview her former lover. Um, who essentially almost, you know, forced her into isolation to the point where she could be pregnant and have and kill a child, and nobody even knew that she had a right. child.
5: Because the myth of Medea is that she takes revenge mm. by killing her mm. sons. Something to do mm. with Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, yeah, ja- yeah. Jason
0: <laughs> from Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. All, the the those um, Greek myths. They're almost like the MCU. It's like, oh, I know, yeah, I know that connected. guy from that other one. That used to be his wife. Yeah. That
5: was him. Yeah. Mm. <laughs>
0: So I found the, the comparisons of Medea strange because it gets that's top ma- billing. That's, yeah, that's, that's the
5: second sentence um, on the blurb yeah. about the film. It's she's writing about Medea, yeah. so that makes me think there would be a very kind of mm. weird mythological yeah, yeah, twist. Yeah, because I to this. didn't
0: particularly because Medea is sort of the proto-feminist who kills a child mm-hmm. to basically get revenge on the father, and the characters here they're not feminists. Although the film is about feminism, but it's about the structures of patriarchy. She's not. She doesn't. Kill her child um to get revenge, she gets it because of what's hap- what society has done to her to the point where she thinks that this is a just thing to do um I found so to uh to get deeply philosophical because i mean it is a film that indulges the philosophy you have there's no coincidence that um the lawrence character she's a she was studying philosophy at university and Rama is a literary professor and it indulges so much in this you know. Thinking things like they talk about, like going studying Wittgenstein, and people quote Descartes. One of the, I think, the the biggest comparison is not spoken, is the um, Albert Camus novel, The Stranger, Um, a favourite of all university philosophy students. Um, There are comparisons in both the plots. I mean, The Stranger is about a man um, who kills an Arab. And he's both sort of, he's an outsider in society. And there's a famous quote that Camus gives about um, The Stranger, where he says, In our society, any man who does not weep at his mother's funeral runs the risk of being sentenced to death. The hero of my book is condemned because he does not play the game. And you see so many resonance of this through this film. You have... um,
5: Is it her reaction in court? Yeah, yeah. you have have this
0: woman who insists that she's um her family back in Senegal have cursed a spell on her right. and she's sort of the victim of sorcery she has no remorse for what she's done and you get this sort of culture clash of how the the um prosecution in France just refuse to accept right. um that sorcery is some legitimate thing and they just see her as someone who's refusing just to play she buddies. doesn't um doesn't seem to be remorseful and they just don't understand yeah why she's not playing the game, why she doesn't cry, why she doesn't say, I'm sorry. She just insists, I'm a victim of this scenario. And it...
4: That makes me think. No, I was just going <laughs> to say, that makes me think. Does anyone remember, you know, the case in Australia where um, <clears throat> Lindy Chamberlain, famously played by Meryl Streep, and a dingo had stolen mm. her, and oh, she oh, was... Com- because she as well had a mm. terrible attitude mm. and at so no one believed mm. her. Everyone thought she'd actually killed her own child and then she was proven correct yes. when actually a dingo did attack another yes. child later on she was as, made um, a
0: joke she yeah. was the butt of oh, it was jokes terrible. remember there were jokes in Seinfeld like making fun of her and people going, oh, maybe never a... ever mm. believed
4: her and imagine how terrible mm. that would be that your child yeah. was killed and, and mm. so it sounds like a similar mm. thing it's these mm. levels of motherhood isn't it, and how we're mm. meant to react to that
0: mm. anyway. and I think yeah. what the real the, the film the thing that elevates this film to another level isn't just what's being presented but the, the additional layer of storytelling which is what what leaves you thinking is this is a film about both legal guilt and moral guilt and the film doesn't it doesn't say it doesn't come down one way or the other but it leaves you thinking um, and by the end of the film it will just dig down at you and you will think about it and it's just incredible filmmaking
5: so without any spoilers does it just do that? Is there any kind of explosive twist towards the end or is it just grinding you through this court case and that's the whole thing?
0: Yeah, don't expect some impassioned um, summary from the prosecutor or some last minute witness it's a a thinking film and it's a film about ideas
5: Excellent, well that's Saint Omer that is a certificate 12A it's showing only at the Cambridge Arts Picture House locally and that's sporadically so catch it as soon as you can before it leaves um, I think we're gonna do another host switch because it's awards season and we can't handle it all by ourselves. Um, we're gonna hand over to Yossi, who's gonna be talking about the shell with adorable shoes on.
6: All right. So I'm making like a little documentary. Oh,
4: it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it. Mm. No. Mm.
6: Tell me about what's life like.
4: It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket, and that's why I don't like the saying, everything comes out of the wash. Because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, and they're just like a completely different person. So it's actually only two of us now, myself and my grandmother, Nana Connie. We like to watch 60 Minutes because Leslie Stahl is fearless. Nana, yes, make
1: the noise. <laughs> okay, so from that trailer, this this story, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, is about Marcel, a one-inch shell who has cute little shoes and lives with his grandmother Connie in an Airbnb. The two are quite lonely after the disappearance of their family and their neighbours until one of the Airbnb guests, Airbnb guests, discovers them and decides to make a short film. With newfound fame and adoring fans, our little shell Marcel has to balance big dreams and new dangers. Um, Vicky, this film, it's had quite rapturous praise and people Mm. are really loving it. Um, And actually, when I first realised we were doing this on the show and I saw the trailer, I thought, oh, this could get quite annoying quite quickly. I didn't find it annoying. How did you find it?
3: Um, The preview trailers, I thought... I was like, oh, maybe I won't actually enjoy this because this has been out in the US for quite some time, yes. almost two years. Yeah. Um, it has just come to the UK and obviously it's getting its Oscar nomination this year, but it's been quite delayed for us to get to it. And after I saw the trailers, I was like, maybe just hearing the voice, I also thought the same. I thought maybe it won't be um, as enjoyable as I want it to be, but um, that's because it doesn't feature the lovely characters um, surrounding Marcel. Obviously, this is such a Marcel show, but um I really enjoyed the relationship between Marcel and his grandmother Connie um but, um who's voiced by Isabel Isabella Rossellini. Um I love everything that she is in and yes. this is just another addition to that. Um it is it's not annoying in the slightest. It's actually quite slow. It's very comforting. It it puts you in a safe space. There's so many tender emotional quips and speeches throughout and um, I like I'm like yours I cry quite easily and I was in floods I was in floods on the train what i um, basically just thinking about um just how how the kind of um mortality of like being alone and not wanting anything to change but knowing you can't go on as you are and it's just a really tender portrait and I really liked it
1: Yeah, and and no surprise, Vicky, I also was in tears watching this film. I don't think anyone would be surprised by that. Um, Emma, I mean, there's quite a lot to to unpick with what Vicky's talking about there. But let's focus a little bit on Marcel, who was voiced by Jenny Slate.
4: Yes, and this is, from what I understand, this was a YouTube sensation from several years ago. She was married to Dean Fleischer-Camp, who kind of plays... Dean, the documentary mm. maker, and they were married at the time, and they made a sort of series of shorts for YouTube, and it became quite the sensation of Marcel. And it's voiced by Jenny Slate, who did great voice work as the original Missy in Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. She's also on Bob's Burgers. I think she really is such a talented yes. voice actress. And so the charm, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, you know, the charm is is is. It is in her voice work. It's delightful when, when she's showing you the hefty hairs as she calls around the, um, around the bottom of the bath and they've got the piece of lint called Alan that they carry around <laughs> with a little string. So she is, you know, it, it, it's with this kind of childlike or shell-like view, if you like, of the world. But I think it's not just... And I was also, I was with Vicky as well, I was so happy to hear Isabella Rossellini. I was really yeah. surprised. It kind of came out of nowhere. And then, you know, as a compared voice, it's delightful. But also, let's not um underplay the gorgeous animation in this the way you know these the, the 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 airbnb the shooting of the garden outside the airbnb all these sort of knickknacks they have put together to make things work for them to shake the oranges and to the tiny little bits of pasta that, that they, it's just i mean it it maybe for me was drawn a little thin over an hour and a half like it's a pretty you know the, the, the story like it could have it, it, it got a, it was a little it was very sort of it's so whimsical that it, it could give you toothache if that's not your vibe but if it is then i think you'd really it it, it it is it's charming it's got a lot to say like you've both said about family and loneliness and separation and yeah mortality
1: and and coming to the animation Stuart, this is stop motion animation but obviously it's in the real it's it's set in in the real world and part of what happens to Marcel and Connie is they face kind of new dangers with the arrival of fame and lots of people coming to their house and it's quite creative in how they express that.
6: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really sort of surprised me with this film is the is the, the sort of technical blend between the stop-motion animation uh, of, of um, the characters and, and, and then the real live actors who sort of work around them. It's like, I don't know where how they cut up the scenes to separate one from the other it just looked very seamless but also i can only imagine this was done in a very low budget i, I assume and some form short, some shorts will, will confirm this seems like a very much a lockdown movie um and and I, and I really enjoyed that sort of really sort of simplistic animation style because it's not it, it, i'm sure it, it it's sophisticated in its own way but technically it's a googly eye on a shell with shoes. <laughs> it's like, it's just amazing how, how little needs to be done with good writing to anthropomorphize an otherwise inanimate object. And I really enjoyed that. And sort of the parallels to that with say, for example, some of the scenes in everything everywhere all at once, where you whack a couple of googly eyes on a rock and you've got a two way conversation going with some excellent dialogue. And it's, yeah, I, I really love what they've done there to make it compelling.
0: Yeah, I think it's so funny that this film is considered an animation and it's up for animated best picture, but Avatar isn't. Avatar's considered live action, but this film that's, I mean, it is, you know, it's live action with a stop animation shell. That's considered animated best picture. Um, but I think, i think I think Emma mentioned before that the cinematography, I mean, we underestimate how difficult it must be to have this sort of macro photography of a 1-inch tall shell. And it's just such it's such a fun film to look at beyond beyond anything else.
1: And the fact that, you know, as we've touched on, there are I mean, this film kind of had all the feels for me in terms of its in as as a piece of storytelling. And as Stuart mentioned, you have all this emotion that you feel for this tiny little shell with some googly eyes. Ashley, I just want to come to you and just hear what your take on this is, Um, because it is a cheeky film. It is funny, but it's also very caring.
5: I loved it. I also can't see how much it was made for, how much it has made, because you need IMDb Pro for that now, so down with IMDb. Um, but I also I can tell loved... you it's made Ooh. six,
4: million. Oh, it's six made million. six million. That's not because I have IMDb Pro, that's just because I Googled it. It's made six million, but oh, I don't know Google how much... Oh, Google around IMDb. <laughs> but I don't know how much it was made for. I will come back if I can find out.
5: Hold, please. Um, I was excited by this because I love Jenny Slate as an actress, and... I, myself, and I think a lot of other people have dismissed her as just a kook, and I was so surprised when I came into this film, I was like, oh my god, they're teaching me life lessons, and this is so nice. I'm in, in interested to know that those two were married as well, they wrote it together, Jenny Slate and Dean fleischer Camp. and he's the guy behind the camera making the documentary, doesn't want to be seen, is quite obviously going through a lot of stuff, the character at the time, and this tiny little shell is helping this huge, fully grown human man work his way through life's problems. Um, And then she ends up going through her own stuff. I yeah, I think I might agree that it was a little bit thin towards the end. They pack in a lot at the end because it's a huge big crescendo. But it is just a really adorable little toddle around the twee life. And I think the main message is just enjoy everything and everyone you have and we're being taught it as adult humans by a pretend shell.
1: And just more, one more
5: question on that,
1: because um, you're saying there that we're being taught that as adult humans. This is rated a PG. Um, in, in one of our previous shows, we talked about Puss in Boots, where we talked about how that works for adults and children alike. Children can go and see Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Do you think they would get the same kind of experience that perhaps we as adults did?
5: I think too slow and not shiny enough... Um, The last kids' film I went to see was one of the Lego movies, and I thought I was having an attack of some kind. That's what kids' films are these days. I can't watch them. Mm -hmm. They're too bright, too quick, too flashy. I don't think they'll sit through this, particularly young kids.
1: Okay, so maybe not for the little ones, but for us, um, it had a a lot of heart. So that is the film, Marcel, the shell with shoes on. And as I said, it is a certificate PG. PG. And now we are going back. We're doing a little switcheroo. Ashley, we're going to talk about some streamers next.
6: Hey, Debbie. Happy birthday, Peter. 20 years of friendship. Can you believe it? How do you still speak to me? Do you remember
0: the first night we met?
6: Never stops being weird.
0: So weird. (laughs)
6: Debbie, you need to
0: take a break. I just need to be practical, which is what you have to be when you're a single mom. Right, right.
6: Tragic. I got an idea. I'm coming to LA for a week. I'm gonna look after Jack and you can stay here. I don't know. You need help. Let me help.
0: Taking care of Jack is a lot of work.
6: I think I got this.
0: I hope that you get what you want out of this
1: trip.
2: Find yourself a hottie. Maybe get waxed.
0: Waxed. Oh, waxed.
2: Waxed. Oh, well, that's just not
0: going to happen. Everybody. This place is amazing.
5: So we have Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher, that's his name, um, playing two long-distance best friends who change each other's lives um, when Reese decides to... Pursue some lifelong dream, and then he volunteers to keep an eye on her teenage son for her. Um, I just don't like Reese Witherspoon in films, so I'm going to go to someone who did like this film to give us a more balanced view. Vicky, was it? Was she all right? Well,
3: Ash, I think you're going to like what I'm about to say, and that I'm a massive fan of the Hallmark Channel, and I love yes, Hallmark films, and this. Should. is is a big, you know, it's it's like a Hallmark film. It is completely taking you out of your own life and your own perspective, and you're watching two characters that have incredibly well-furnished apartments, and, you know, they live in these incredible houses, and I just had a really good time um, watching this. Um, it was entertaining. Um, it's in by no... It's it's not a great film at all. Um, it's, They're it's,
5: not supposed to be hallmark uh, films. Exactly. One-star films, yeah. five-star experiences.
3: Exactly. That is how I would... Describe this only with you know a massive big budget cast, and um, so I think obviously we haven't seen Reese Witherspoon um do kind of blockbustery films in a while. Um, this is, I think, she's settling into this role of um, she's now obviously an, an, a great production company runner of Hello Sunshine, and then um, I think I was saying I've been silently. Um, not silently, but passively influenced to join her book club through this film. Um, this her, She has her own book club and she uses this to bring about um, films for her own production company that feature women and, you know, are made by women. And then that brings things to the big screen, which we have seen with Weather, uh Dagston and what's coming out of Daisy Jones and the Six. But this film kind of just shows you about her good book taste, it's all she goes on about throughout the whole thing. She's incredibly well read throughout is all it of a this. Film
5: about Reese Witherspoon playing a character that's a bit like Reese Witherspoon.
3: Exactly, oh. it is it's exactly that. And then you've got Aston Kutcher as a delight on the side, um, as well as Jesse Williams. That's how I'm describing them as delights on the side um, to this. Um, and as same as uh, Tig Notaro, who was like the funny, sarcastic I best love friend. You. It is a good streamer watch, and like Emma said, it is a good have a glass of wine in the bath watch, and I will stand up for it because of that.
5: Well, you said it's a good streaming watch, which I think slightly has a little sting in the tail. You wouldn't bother to go and see it at the cinema. Even worse though, Emma, I also love Hallmark films, but I need them cheaply made and really pretty rubbish. Does that kind of feel and genre translate to a big budget, big cast film, or does it just feel a bit cheap?
4: I'm sorry... Vicky, I have to I have to also inform you that I said I was watching In A Bath With Wine, but I said I'd need a bath of wine to have gone through this film. <laughs> yeah. so, um, Very different We things. talk about the fact, it's not like a stinger, because you know these films are now actively being made for streaming, yeah. so they know what they're doing when they're making them. And this has had tons of press, because like you say, Reese Witherspoon is now sort of a one woman, a bit like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop, if you like. She has a kind of household stuff as well. She does fashion, she does book club. And she hasn't actually made a film for a long time because obviously she's been in The Morning Show and Big Little Lies which was enormous for her and does Reese Witherspoon ever play a part that's not Reese Witherspoon? Her range is not remarkable let's face Mm. it and that used to work maybe when she was kind of younger and bossy and great films like Election and Legally Blonde. Now I ju- Honestly, the first half of this film, she and Ashton Kutcher... Are, the, Ashton Kutcher's based in, is based in in New York and she's in LA and for some spurious reasons they have to swap over because she's such an amazing talent. Obviously, she's going to do some course that apparently she couldn't do in LA. She has to do it in New York and then he at the last minute is like, oh, I'll come and look after your, your son because she is also a, a sort of helicopter parenting single mother as well on top of everything else and the type in... Anyway, um, to cut a long story... I hated this film. But it the first... <laughs> mean, I, mean, I actively hated it. It meant that the first sort of 40 minutes, that they're, they're on the phone the whole time. I guess it's meant to be a bit like you've got mail. It's meant to kind of heart Nothing back to sort of when be Harry. Like you've got mail. That's what I mean. It's meant to harp back to when Harry met Sally. Because in the very first scene, you see that they did hook up once and they had a one-night stand and then after that they never they were never, but they've become their best friends it just makes no sense to me because they seem to have nothing really in common so I can't work out how they are best friends for all these years and it means that they're having to just act against themselves because they're just on the phone which means you just get Reese Witherspoon running the gamut of the most annoying acting face expressions while she's on the phone eye rolling twitching grinning gurning I i can't tell you I just, it just really this film really upset me and we're going to cover <laughs> a streamer afterwards which is an Amazon streamer and I think that Netflix streamers get like Rafts of publicity, and they just—this is dross. This is badly written. It's badly acted. It—I really, really—I I, honestly—I I really hate it. I'm really sorry. So Emma <laughs> loves
5: it. Yours, you and I like a bit of trash like this. We just accept it for what it is. Just lay back, let it happen to you. Don't engage. Um The director. Aileen Brosh McKenna hasn't done a lot of directing before and she's only done TV directing before. And I think Emma was mentioning some of the problems, especially at the beginning of the film. Does bad direction affect your enjoyment of what is supposed to be trashy?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I didn't really feel it was very trashy, to be honest. I think that's my issue with it. And knowing now what Vicky's told us about the kind of book club and where this might have come from, I think... It kind of makes sense why this to me was was very dull. It was really boring. I don't have the energy to go into what kind of Emma was going into about the problems of it, because <laughs> because to me it was just really boring. I did not care about Reese Witherspoon's character. I did not care about Ashton Kutcher's character. I wanted a bit more Jessie Williams, a bit more Zoe Chow, actually. I would have had a bit more of them in it, and that would have made it a bit more entertaining It was for me. delightful. Yeah, Zoe yeah, Chow was really wasted Zoe Chow, Yeah, really
4: she was wasted. the
1: best thing in it, right? Yeah. And And I just feel like it was a waste of their talents
4: because there's also zero chemistry did you not feel there is zero chemistry no. to be made fun of on the red
5: carpet for having zero chemistry that's how I know that, that's the only reason I know what this film is because of all the memes about how they don't touch each other or look at each other on the red carpet and they're playing romantic leads well
1: it's funny we say that because you know in another Netflix film that we've reviewed recently you people one of the big problems I had was there was no chemistry was between terrible. the two romantic leads and it's the same
5: here so
1: oh, dear. yeah sorry oh, you're
4: flogging a dead horse in a moment a rom-com begins if you're not invested in them as a couple
5: exactly Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks they ain't Luke you're not supposed to watch these kinds of things because you're a boy Um, supposedly (laughs) yes do you understand why we make these films and why certain people enjoy them or could you just not get on the train
0: I'm not going to deny all the things that have been said both good and bad about this film I mean I'm I'm not a huge hallmark person the comparison I I had it felt like a lot of people living in a yoghurt advert (laughs) Um, I totally it's like get what you mean. It's like people like, they take these big bites of yoghurt and it's like they're <laughs> in ecstasy. Mean. And Reese Witherspoon's doing it, she doesn't even have the yoghurt. She's just going around gawping everywhere. <laughs> Ashton Kutcher's sort off this wet blanket, moping around, sort of being this weird surrogate dad. You've got Jesse Williams comes into the film far too late and when he does, he's sort of there just being, you know, nice man. Yeah. <laughs> nice <laughs> so I'm, man I'm nice. I'm three. nice man who'll do this nice thing for you. Despite all that, it made me laugh. Um, there were There were some moments that got to me, and I felt a bit dirty laughing at it. Um, <laughs> so you, men-
5: you get it you're on the mm. train <laughs> well, you've
0: mentioned um, Zoe Chow, who had this wonderful um, a few wonderful lines. You had Rachel Bloom um, pops up in this you know really overacting, but in a delightful way you have um Steve zahn. Who I saw a couple of years ago in a Christmas film called Eight Bit Christmas, which is one of my favourite films of that year. Another another very guilty pleasure. And then also Tignissaro, um
5: Amazing who film. I think people
0: will know. She sort of came in as like the emergency replacement for Army of the Dead and was the mm. only good yeah. thing in that film. I agree, really? Um and when she I was like going, Oh, thank goodness when she pops up. We're gonna get a laugh here. Um yeah, it's not a good film, but it's it not had supposed yeah, to be, is it? Yeah. But it made me laugh. So
5: Oh well, that's your place or mine. Feels like it's probably a fifteen-ish. No one cares. It's on. <laughs> it's on Netflix if you fancy doing that to yourself. Um, we're going to have another look at a streamer that I think everyone enjoyed a bit more. Here's a little listen to somebody I used to know.
6: Sean! Oh, my God!
2: What are you doing here?
6: You know, I'm just visiting my old haunts
2: on the off chance I might run into an ex from 10 years ago. How many have you run into so far? There she is!
0: I still think about what would have happened if you hadn't left all those years ago. I've
3: been kind of wondering the same thing recently. Like if maybe I made the wrong decision.
5: Okay, so this is a tried and trusted trope, I think. <laughs> Sounds like a Hallmark movie to me. On a trip to her hometown, workaholic Ally reminisces with her ex, Sean, and they start to question everything about... The person she's become, which in a Hallmark film is, side note, she's got a career. How dare she? Um, And then things get really confusing. They're wondering if they should get back together, I'm guessing. Written and directed by Dave Franco, along with his wife, Alison Brie, who is the main star of this film. We've just slated a streamer rom-com. Who, hands up, who loved this. I'll come to you first. Oh, 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 I no. liked it a lot. We <laughs> I only have one Lord. half
4: hand up. This looks so much better than the other one in every way.
5: What's it wrong is? With this? It oh, is okay.
4: much, much better. I've, honestly, I've come on and, ju- and just absolutely harangue a film like I just did with Your Place or Mine for being as lazy as it was. No, this is... In terms of streamers, and again, it's fine. This is made to be on streamers. That's not a diss to it at all. This isn't made. This wasn't designed to go into cinemas, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't probably. Be. But as a streaming choice, it is sharper. It is clearer. There is actual chemistry. I felt between Alison Brie. Um, yeah, Alison Brie and 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 um, the guy. Who yeah, her ex her ex-boyfriend. Um it just I it was it was just a pleasant surprise. I didn't really know it, it, it's it's I believe DeFranco's directorial debut, and I thought that visually and pace wise it had some pep in its step and it had some Interesting stuff to look at when she does go back to this sort of I don't know where her tear time is but it's awesomely German themed isn't it <laughs> Leaving Spawn something like that oh it's Washington no it's um, I in Washington it's Washington State yeah. and so it's a really really. and I do think that they use the um, locations really beautifully because essentially like you say she's been running this terrible show in LA called Dessert Island which is like a mix between I think Love Island and some dessert show it's mm-hmm. been cancelled no one knows it so she goes back home and like you say in the Hallmark way she, she comes across her ex-boyfriend who is still there living next door to his parents, from. built a beautiful house. Exon, but has got himself engaged to a younger, um, a younger girl, Kirsty Clemens. Yeah, and That's she and, and so Alison Brie kind of Alison Brie's character is beginning to think, oh, maybe what did I miss out on? But it's a little bit less sort of formulaic than that, and a little bit more sort of just about again lifestyle choices and maybe being a little bit confused in your sort of early to mid thirties and, and and thinking about where where you want to head to from there. But I thought it was really charmingly done okay. with some laughs. And like I said, a really attract and some really attractive scenery.
5: So that sounds you said it was charmingly done. Yossi. we watch a lot of Hallmark rubbish. Yeah. And this um, these kind of tropes are problematic in the Hallmark universe because they're basically a conservative vehicle to convince women you need to give up your career. You need to move home, have a family. You should have never left that town. Um, Does this work Better for you in that way. Is it giving the message in a more positive way?
1: I think so. In the first twenty minutes, I really wasn't sure because, as you said in the synopsis, I mean, at first I thought, "Gosh, is this is a Christmas film" because it just seemed like many of the Christmas films that I've watched. with these But it, it's not. Um, and I, I really wasn't sure. I love Alison Brie. I really like Jay Ellis for things like Insecure. So I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna give it a go." And I'm really glad I did because, as Emma said, it's not very formulaic. It, it, there are different perspectives and I think well, one of the things I was worried about is obviously Sean is with Cassidy who's played by Kirsty Clemens and I thought oh gosh is Alison Breeders is going to come in and destroy this relationship and Cassidy is going to be presented as the other woman and that's not in the end how it works they kind of flesh out all of the characters so nice. you get different opinions from all of them and um, yeah I really enjoyed it I think it was very charming and I just want to add actually it was really great to see Danny Poody in this and have uh, Annie and our bed from community together in a film that was really nice.
5: Nice. Uh, Luke you're not supposed to watch this either yeah. it's I'm, a hallmark streamer very, rom-com. Yeah
0: I'm being very poorly behaved today aren't
5: I? Well no you've done loads of homework well done. Well, I, I think
4: Luke secretly loves the Hallmark-style streamer.
6: Yeah <laughs> and,
0: and, I, and I enjoyed this film as well. Good. Um, so this is actually Dave Franco's second film I've said it's his oh, directorial sorry. debut he made a film called The Rental which is a horror mystery um, two or three years ago which also starred Alison Brie. Um, and it, it wasn't very good. Um, but they've decided to sort of go back on to, because they're both comedic figures um, and they've both gone back to familiar ground here. And it's so nice to see Alison Brie in a good film, um, because she's a a real heavyweight of TV. I she's really, been, yeah,
5: she's mm, really great. But yeah, she's mm, she's not a big mm, big star. Because really, if
0: you look at like they do lists of like the thirty greatest TV shows of, of all time, so Alison Brie's there all over the place. She was in Mad Men, uh, she was in Community, she was in BoJack Horseman.
4: She's great in Glow. Yeah, and she's brilliant glow, yeah. in Glow. Love glow. Yes, yeah.
0: but she's you know she's tried to break into film and not really. She was in um, Scream Four a couple of years ago, and it's like she's just in a minor supporting role. And fact, you've got a film, now she's co-written it with her husband. And it's a real star vehicle for her. And it's just such... I'm so delighted to see her. She also did a film a couple of years ago called... Horse Girl? Was that yeah, what it was, was called? Terrible. Yeah, it was it was, <laughs> it was terrible. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah
4: that, I um, would say as well, though, and I don't know if it's because people... But also, you've got Hayley Joel Osment in this, who was great, and Julie Haggerty from Airplane, mm. who's playing Alison Preece. And it's just mm. great because she walks in and she's... Again, I'm, I'm all about older women being sexually active in, in films these days. And then Julie Haggerty gets a couple of great scenes for that. It's really fun. You love to see it. Well, that was... um... Apart from if it's good luck to you, farewell to you, Leo Grande or whatever. Oh, come on. (laughs) That (laughs) was...
5: some that uh, leo grand was weird um somebody um i used to know that's um is that an amazon prime one yeah it's prime video it's showing up for me as rated r which means it's a 15 in england i think and that's the slightly better of the two streamers that we
4: reviewed today significantly better right if you're seeking out a rom-com yeah
5: clear of your place or mine go for somebody i used to know For the final film um, of this show, we're going to flip hosts again just because we like to keep you on your toes. Emma is going to walk us through Knock at the Cabin.
0: Hi there. Can I talk to you for a little bit?
4: You have to come inside right now. There were four of them.
0: What do we say? You shouldn't make things up when we're talking about... Can you open the door, please? They're breaking
4: in! I got you, baby.
0: We're not here to hurt you, but you have to stay here in the cabin with us. Families throughout history have been chosen to make
2: this decision. Your family must choose to willingly sacrifice one of the three of you to prevent the apocalypse.
0: We're not sacrificing
6: anyone for every no you give us. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to follow
4: up to the, I think, underwhelming in terms of box office, although I, for one, greatly enjoyed it, and that was old, his last feature. Feature feature film, so he's back with this apocalyptic thriller slash mystery. Eric and Andrew and their daughter Wen seem to have picked the most luxe of remote getaways for some quality R and R, a gorgeous cabin in the woods. But then four strangers, led by Dave Bautista as Leonard, come knocking with some intense looking weaponry and a stark choice: the family must pick one of them to be sacrificed, or the apocalypse is going to arrive. Well, I mean that premise just sounds ridiculous. Is this ridiculous or is it scary?
2: It makes you makes the audience actually think. Um, because with M Night Shyamalan, it's either hit or miss, as you said, old. And now, actually I think this is actually definitely a hit. Um and I put it on par with Glass or Split. I know, might be split the room with this one. Um, but it was quite cerebral and biblical. As I said, um there are plagues, there are other things that are biblical as well. Um and but I spent about five minutes of my time just wondering what was happening with dave bautista's wrinkly skull <laughs> 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 seriously um but once i got over that um i actually quite enjoyed, enjoyed the movie um there's issues to do with homophobia um, it crops up a few times with um main characters actually um pushing towards this um and as it's a, just a generally feel-good film right at the end once you actually get into it and it's all about making a choice of being selfish Or will you actually help others out? Um, But there's an end credit at the end. Don't stay for it. It's rubbish.
4: Oh, I missed (laughs) that. I didn't know that. Ash, obviously when you go into an M. Night Shyamalan film, you you know, ever since The Sixth Sense, it's always always about the twist. I mean, maybe less so in, in some of his work than others. Were you going in expecting the twist? And did you get the twist?
5: I wrote one note for this film as well. And it was, this is not a Shyamalan twist. And I was very disappointed because... I'm actually a fan of his, even though he's kind of, he's jumped the shark. He knows the kind of films he makes. Everyone just goes to see a Shyamalan film. It doesn't necessarily need to be good. It just needs to be one of his. And this wasn't one of his. I really like the big, stupid, wow, at the end. But this film can go one of two ways. And it went the second way I thought it was going to go.
4: Vicky, are you in general a Shyamalan fan? Um, I'm Okay. I'm impartial. <laughs> but, so
5: where did this
3: fit? Have you seen I mean have you seen all his I've, have seen, you seen, I've seen the films. I've seen the films. Um I obviously I've just came out of other films a bit. Me I haven't seen old, but I'm normally I came out. Of split I loved saying, old,
4: by the way. I'm just <laughs> gonna throw that out there. Seek old out. I um,
3: I came out of split thinking you know it was it was a good film, but um, I haven't I don't have any expectations for him as people seem to hold him in high regards ever since as you know his debut. But um, I really enjoyed this film, and I don't know if it's because it's against what Ashley's is saying is that this is not a Shyamalan film. But I, I I know it's marmite between a lot of the people that have viewed it. But I just had a very I wouldn't say a good time but I was you know I was interested it was quite an intense environment I stayed with it whatever it was giving I just took with me and I thought and if we're going to talk about chemistry, the two main characters in the song had incredible chemistry and love, and I really did believe that whole family dynamic. That this was a excruciating decision for them, that they couldn't choose who they wanted, who they were going to like let go. That was going to be my
4: next question. I was going to say, you I haven't, haven't seen this yet." Um, Luke, I'll come to you because I know you <coughs> right. I haven't seen this, but obviously it, it reads a little. There's a sort of Sophie's Choice here at the be. I mean, this is dramatic. This is this is high stakes, dramatic stuff. The cast, the, the guys who are, the, the the couple of Eric and Andrew. Jonathan Groff, who I really like, first from Glee and and from mm. other, he's a great, you know, a wonderful musical star, um, and Ben Aldridge, who I must admit I don't know, and then in 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 our in our create in our scary foursome we have obviously Dave Bautista, like we said, doing some serious dramatic work, and Nicky Amaker-Bird, who was in Old, again great mm. film, and Rupert Grint, back from. Back okay. from the shadows. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Back, from his, back from his ice cream van. Yeah. Um, and I don't. And the last it's is it Abby, Abby Quinn? Quinn. Yeah. Abby Quinn's the so last horseman. These guys in this very um sort of like you say, it's very dark theme as it is. Do they all have the dramatic chops to
0: carry it? I, I think that was the big question coming into this film about Dave Bautista, who was unhappy about basically being a comic relief in films, being being the lead here, and he's given these huge long. Exposition, bits of dialogue, and I think I think they they do all, all right. I mean, it's not dramatic as it? it's thriller, so mm-hmm. that, there's no real heavy emoting. It's a lot of repeating. You've got to kill one of these people, um, but it's people have criticised this film for not being Shyamalan, but I think it, I mean it has some of the, just because it doesn't have a twist. I think the man knows how to direct attention, and we get that again. If you like. His previous films i think you will like this one we have this single location and it's just framed so wonderfully you've got six basically six people in a room i mean there's just not an ounce of fat in there it gets in does the job gets out again um and it's tense um i think it's a lot less um sophisticated than perhaps it gives itself credit for um but it's it was a fun thrill ride while it was on and that's what Shyamalan provides
4: So it's effectively like a chamber piece then, yeah? It is all set in this cabin. So do you get a sort of, do do you get a um, intensity of, do do you get rising intensity of a sort of feeling of claustrophobia? Well, it
3: definitely provides that. So um, this film has uh, changed my opinion on Batista. I've, I'm kind of over his complaint in the news. I'm a massive Fast and Furious fan. He threw out a quote a few years ago that he was like, I would never take part in those franchise because I like do good movies. And since then, (laughs) I've never been a good fan of his. But this has changed my mind. I think he does a very good job of being Leonard and his pure position makes like his size makes the cabin much smaller than what it is because he's such a looming presence in this he literally fills up the void and then you have the tv with the news that obviously um the thing is that these are the force horsemen the four horsemen of the apocalypse of the end of the world and um he is a guidance and he is going through this, showing, like, the stage-by-stage footage of the devastations they are causing as each one of them, you know, ends and, like, the travesties are happening and just the kind of intensity of that um, as well as this just high-pressure environment. The cabin is about this size in my mind. I am overwhelmed with it all. That was a
5: very
4: visual cue there. Tiny. (laughs) It's a
5: very good performance from Dave Bautista but I have a problem with him and anyone else who comes from the WWE world because I know them so well from that and I just can never take them seriously and more than his forehead or whatever's wrong with his head whoever said that it was so distracting for me and I think that's a big reason why I just didn't plug in from the beginning and I couldn't get there
0: I mean they do say because he's supposedly a second grade school teacher but they go oh he teaches gym it's like Mm. as if that they go okay yeah I can buy that just about
4: but in general then I think we're all saying If anyone got any final words to say on this everyone's saying you know like you say M. Night Shyamalan is one of our most consistently mm. successful directors you know in the genre I mean Sixth Sense is what 20 odd years old oh, now geez. and he's you know they, he keeps yeah. getting box office even though people complain so there's obviously he's obviously, he's obviously doing something right and you would all yeah. agree yeah
3: I watched this on Valentine's Day and the whole theatre was full everyone's there for a good time so <laughs> I think he still is definitely pulling in the numbers and this is a good addition to his, his films
4: A good time, not a long time, nice economic running time, which we love. Right, thank you everybody for this extra show. It has been a bit of a winner. We are going to be back with our regular scheduled show on the 4th of March, where the films will include Cocaine Bear, Broker, What's Love Got to Do With It, and Joyland, and probably some others that we will throw up. And. Creed three, of course. <laughs> it was five down. No, that's massive. That's Michael B. Jordan, obviously. And is he not directing that as yeah, well? Yeah. I feel like yeah. So Michael B.
0: Jordan
4: and so Jonathan, Michael majors, and so Jonathan yes. majors, Michael B. Jordan, <laughs> at Creed three. It's all going to be here on the fourth of March. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much to our wonderful team here in the studio. Goodbye.